chapter 3 this morning. We're going to go through uh, the entire chapter. It's an interesting uh, spot in Ruth's life. Chasing the best thing. What are you chasing? What are you running after? Uh, Where or when? Uh, On what do you spend your time, your life, your resources, your seconds, your minutes, your hours? Uh, Before you know it, a life is wasted. Uh, People, uh, lots of people pursue sin and the pleasure. Uh, People pursue prosperity and power. Uh, We see a lot of that going on over on Capitol Hill right now. People want uh, power. Uh, Some are just sheer pleasure. They just live their life uh, for the moment. Uh, Some people are 100% work-focused. I talked uh, to a a man recently, and he loves his work. Uh, He loves the adrenaline rush that he gets from work. His work takes him away from his family a lot, and that's not good. And uh, in talking to him, he said, I love my work more than I love my family and my God. He's a Christian. He knows Christ as his Savior, but he just loves, uh, loves the adrenaline rush more than he loves God and his family. That's pretty astounding for a Christian. So we're all pursuing something. Uh, Some people work, some people family, some good things, some valid things, some hateful things, some wicked things. But everybody's pursuing something. The question this morning, are you pursuing Christ, the things of God, things of God's Word? Uh, Kneeling at the feet of Jesus, salvation, wisdom, uh, knowledge, the meaning of life, the purpose of life. The trumpet were to sound today... Uh, everything that you have amassed of this world uh, is just it's just going to be burned up. It's just going to be gone. And only what you've done for Christ will last. We're in Ruth chapter 3. We're going to read a text. Ruth has gone back with her mother Naomi uh, to uh, Israel. And she's gone to the field. She's labored. And she has happed into the field of Boaz. Boaz has taken care of her. And Naomi recognizes that uh, uh, Boaz is a kinsman. And he's a single kinsman. And so he certainly could redeem Ruth. He knows the implications of that. Ruth is going to learn the implications of that in chapter 3 and chapter 4. In Ruth chapter 3, verse 1, Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said unto her, My daughter, shall I not seek rest for thee, that it may be well with thee? Uh, Ruth, I want to do something for you. I want to pursue rest uh, for you. It's it's an interesting concept. Uh, When I was a single guy, there were all kinds of people who were pursuing rest for me, uh, they had all kinds of ideas on who uh, I should. I shouldn't be a single guy uh, that I needed to be married, and and so they were always pushing me in different directions uh, to a different girl. And I just, I just tell you what, I was just so tired of having my heart broken. I just was not interested at all whatsoever in anybody's help. Uh, so when my pastor sat me down and he said, "You need a wife." And I said, yeah, yeah, yada, 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 yada. He said, and I've got one picked out for you. I said, just leave me alone. He said, I, 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 I said, as a matter of fact, he said, you, you need to date her. I said, just stay out of my business. He said, and, and I said, who, who? Curiosity, right? 
And he said, Carol Demery. I said, no, 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 no. Just, just leave me alone. He said, you're going to ask her out. He said, or I'm going to ask her out for you. I said, you're going to do nothing of the sort. You're going to stay out of my business. I don't need your help. I don't want your help kind of thing. And uh, he picked up the phone and started dialing her number. He said, I'm going to ask her. You're going you're gonna to take her out. And I said, give me the phone. I can ask her myself. <clears throat> and so I was sitting in the, in the kitchen of the pastor's house. And I uh, took the phone out of his hand and uh, <clears throat> uh, called, the, called the Demery residence and got Carol on the phone and said, uh, would you like to go out on a double date uh, with the pastor and his wife? And she said, uh, hold on, let me pray about it. Sure. <laughs> and so, uh, and, and so uh, we did. I was not seeking that on my behalf. I was not. Ruth not seeking this on her behalf. Uh, but Naomi is looking out for her best interest. And uh, I'll just say the best thing that ever happened to me was uh, Carol, um, outside of my salvation. That's the greatest, uh, greatest blessing of my life. Uh, so here's Ruth, uh, verse 2. And now is not Boaz of our kindred, uh, with whose maidens thou wast? Uh, behold, he winnoweth barley tonight in the threshing floor. Wash thyself, uh, therefore, and anoint thee, and put thy raiment upon thee, and get thee down to the floor, but make not known thyself unto the man until he shall have done eating and drinking. And it shall be when he lieth down that thou shalt mark the place where he shall lie and thou shalt go in and uncover his feet and lay down and he will tell thee what thou shalt do. And she said unto her, all that thou sayest unto me, I will do. <clears throat> An ancient uh, a Jewish uh, custom and that uh, you would uncover the feet. And the, this is symbolic. There's nothing uh, dirty. There's nothing bad. There's nothing uh, immoral going on here. Uh, you can imagine this is probably not the preferred place uh, to lay down at somebody's feet after they've been working out in the hay all day. Now just, just say, uh, if you've ever been uh, nearby a farmer at the end of the day, uh, it is it is not a pleasant it is not a pleasant smell and the feet probably the worst. But uh, so she's laying there. She's going to uncover his feet. She's going to lay there until he tells her what to do. And here's Ruth's reply is interesting. She doesn't again. She is a newcomer to Christianity, to the faith, to salvation, to God. Uh, this is all new to her. Uh, she couldn't, ex uh, I mentioned a couple weeks ago, she couldn't explain uh, the, uh, the, the law of sowing and reaping. She couldn't have explained the Leviticus passage that said uh, the farmer is required to leave the corners of his field and, and that's for the poor people to go and glean. She couldn't have explained that, but she was a recipient of God's blessings, even though she couldn't explain it. Now, Naomi is, is introducing her to yet another uh, part of, <clears throat> of, of the Bible. And that's the kinsman redeemer. And Ruth doesn't know anything about it. But she trusts Naomi to lead her in that direction. And so Ruth very wisely says, uh, you know, I don't know what this is. I don't know what this means. I don't know the significance of this. I don't understand it all. But, verse 5, all that thou sayest unto me... I will do. And she went down unto the floor and did according to all 
circle that. She did according to all that her mother-in-law bade her. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went uh, to lie down at the end of the heap of corn. And she came softly and uncovered his feet and laid down. Uh, I don't like cold feet at night. Why is he there? Uh, This was harvest time. This is their year's wages. This is a this is a desperate time. Enemy come in and steal all the grain. You're you're in deep trouble. You're not going to have money for your taxes. You're not going to have money for your tithe. You're not going to have money to pay your employees. You're not going to have money to pay for the seed bill uh, from that you borrowed to plant the seed this last year. You're not going to have money to pay your creditors. You're in desperate trouble. This is this is. It's not like they get paid every week. This is payday for the year. And imagine what would happen today if somebody came into you and handed you $1 bills uh, and that was your wages for the entire year. You'd be like uh, on guard until you could get to the bank and get that deposited and get it to a safe place. So the men have harvested the grain and they are sleeping with the grain uh, to protect their investment, to protect their income, to protect their, uh, their, their resources. And so that's why he's there. Now she has uncovered his feet. She's laying there <coughs> at his feet. <coughs> and uh, uh, eight, uh, verse 8, I'm going to say 8 o'clock, and it came to pass at midnight that the man was afraid. Something startled him, whether he heard a noise or felt that his feet were uncovered. But all of a sudden, he's fearful. Do you ever wake up in the middle of the night and you feel like somebody's in the house? I heard a noise. The door is opened. Say, what do you do? Uh, I'm not going back to sleep. I lay there uh, for a minute or two and try to get my bearings, try to hear what is going on around the house, and then I get up and go to the bedroom door and listen and watch and see if I see shadows moving and then I check every window and every door and then uh, check the outside perimeter. Say so you do that? Ab- absolutely do that. And here's Boaz. He, he hears a noise and he's afraid. All of a sudden his senses are heightened and <clears throat> he wants to know what's going on. And behold, <clears throat> a woman lay at his feet and he said, Who art thou? And she answered, I am Ruth, thine handmaid. Spread therefore thy skirt over thine handmaid, for thou art a near kinsman. And he said, Blessed be thou of the Lord, my daughter, for thou hast showed more kindness in the latter end than at the beginning, inasmuch as thou followest not young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, fear not, I will do to thee as thou hast required, as thou requirest, for all the city of my people doth know that thou art a virtuous woman. A virtuous woman, for her price is far above rubies, uh, Proverbs tells us. And now it is true that I am thy near kinsman. Howbeit there is a kinsman nearer than I. <clears throat> that has reminds me of Revelation uh, chapter 5. Let's uh, hold our finger here in Ruth chapter 3. Let's go to Revelation chapter 5 for just just a moment. <clears throat> Revelation chapter 5 is future, obviously. And it talks about a time 
when there is a pause. There is a pause here. And people have looked at that and Ruth and said, why? Uh, well, this near kinsman, what, what is that all about? What, what, what? And again, and you look at that, and if you write Revelation 5, 1 through 5 in your margin, this passage and this event that is future will help you to understand what is going on in Ruth chapter 3. Revelation chapter 5, verse 1. And I saw on the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the backside sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and the loose the seals thereof? Well, there's a time that there is going to be a search given in heaven, in earth, in, in hell, everyone is going to be given an opportunity to open this book and the loose seals thereof to claim uh, to claim the spot, the position that rightfully belongs to God Himself. So, so Christ doesn't step up here right away and say, "I'm worthy to open the book because I have paid for it." Uh, with with my blood, I am willing. I am able to do that. He waits. Why? Because if Christ stepped forward right away and opened the book, somebody somebody else could say, "Well, I could have done that." Well, I could have done that. So the search is done first, and in Ruth chapter three, that search is be, being done first, giving a, an opportunity to anyone else to redeem. And but there is no one else. Verse three, and no man in heaven nor in earth nor under the earth was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. John, writing, verse 4, And I wept much, because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seals thereof. You're be just reminded, we'll go back to Ruth chapter 3, that in Ruth, Boaz is a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ, who gives opportunity to anyone else that, can, that might think that they're in a position uh, to offer redemption, uh, to claim the title uh, to the earth, might be able to claim title to Ruth. Uh, step forward and make yourself known if you're able to do this. And, and so Boaz is going to give uh, that opportunity. <clears throat> Uh, verse, verse 12, let's start at verse 12. And now it is true that I am a near kinsman, howbeit there is a kinsman nearer than I, tarry this night, and it shall be in the morning that if he will perform unto thee the part of a kinsman, well, let him do the kinsman's part. But if he will not do the part of a kinsman to thee, then will I do the part of a kinsman to thee. As the Lord liveth, lie down until the morning. She lay at his feet until the morning, and she rose up before one could know another, and he said, Let it be known, let it, let it not be known, that a woman came into the floor. And he said, Bring the veil that thou hast upon thee, and hold it. And when she held it, he measured six measures of barley, and laid it on her, and she went into the city. Now, last uh, couple weeks ago, we talked about an ephah, which was a week's worth of grocery. How much is this? Now, people debate this because the actual uh, <clears throat> measurement is, depending upon who you talk to, it's anywhere, uh, it's six C's, which is anywhere from 
63 pounds uh, to 330 pounds. So I doubt it that she is, uh, uh, that he's laying on her in a veil 330 pounds of meal, <coughs> of grain. It's just, just doubtful. Uh, and I don't know if uh, you've ever carried, you probably have, a 100-pound feed sack. Uh, you can put that, a man can put a 100-pound feed sack over his shoulder and, uh, and, and be okay. Uh, so I, d- I doubted that it was 100 pounds. I just doubt that. <clears throat> Probably closer to 60, uh, 63, which is the lower uh, measurement. Uh, but he uh, filled that up, six measures of barley, and laid it on her, uh, which gives, the, this is a load. <sighs> Helped her lift it up and put it on her shoulder. Uh, so that uh, she could carry that. And when she came to her mother-in-law, she said, Who art thou, my daughter? And she told her all that the man had done to her. And she said, These six measures of barley gave he me, for he said to me, Go not empty unto thy mother-in-law. And then she said, Sit, down, sit still, my daughter, until thou know how the matter will, f- will fall, for the man will not be in rest until he hath finished the thing uh, this day, chasing the best thing. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. And uh, we, if all we did was stop here and pray, we have already been blessed uh, to know of your love and your grace and your mercy, your plan to see uh, the, the scarlet thread uh, woven throughout Scripture, to see the similarities between Ruth 3 and Revelation 5. Uh, to know that, that there is a purpose behind uh, this delay uh, that is going on, and that we need not weep, because the Lion of the tribe of Judah is able to open the book and the loose of seals are up. And we look forward to that day. And uh, we, we thank you for uh, the knowledge that you have given us in advance. But Father, may we not be lulled into complacency, but may we be motivated to be better servants for you. I pray that you'd help us this morning to be motivated and challenged by your word as we pray in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Ruth, in Ruth 3, uh, knows, has been informed that there are treasures to be realized. Did you know in your Christian life there are treasures to be realized? <clears throat> Ruth is a widow. Uh, Boaz has, has a new, man, he, he's, he's got a new opportunity uh, to experience joy, uh, to have a marriage and a home. Uh, Boaz is going to make a solemn vow that we do to this day to love, honor, and cherish uh, in sickness and health and poverty and wealth and forsaking all others. Keep thee only unto her as long as you both shall live. Is this your solemn vow? Uh, my mom and dad next week will celebrate 70 years of marriage together to the same person over a lifetime. Dad said for the last uh, couple of nights, uh, Mom has laid down and looked at him and said, I won't be here in the morning. I'm, I'm going to heaven. Uh, Mom, m- Mom could go. And uh, Dad's, Dad looked back at her last uh, night before last and said, well, you know what, well, maybe I'll just go with you. And uh, that, wouldn't, that wouldn't surprise me at all. Maybe, maybe they'll go uh, together. But uh, there is a lifetime of care uh, for one another. <clears throat> Ruth is going to get a new home and a new hope. Uh, endless days of poverty and suffering and want are going to be gone. And in Christ, there are new treasures, new treasures to be realized. A new relationship Ruth is going to experience. And when you get saved, there is a new relationship. And Christ gives you hope. 
we look at what's going on in Israel and we read the current events of what is going on in Israel. And we see the alignment in Scripture. And we have hope. Uh, the world is a mess. The college campuses today are a mess. They're an absolute mess. They have no biblical perspective to understand that God's got a plan for their life and offers them salvation. And crazy, they, they have no hope. They have no hope. <clears throat> but your past, Ruth's past, her sinful condition, now she's a believer. She knows Christ. Uh, she's got hope. Before, she was without hope, without God, without heaven. Uh, that's, a, that's depressing. I understand why the world is rioting, and I understand why there are, are protests on the college campuses, because they are without God. They are without hope. They are without wisdom uh, for the future. They have no hope. They have none. <clears throat> but in Christ, Ruth and life has new meaning. Every, everything is new. And so she's going to the threshing floor. Again, verse 5 and 6. Uh, I don't understand it all, but all that thou hast said, I will do. And then she went to the threshing floor and all that Naomi said, that's exactly what she did. New meaning, new hope, spiritual blessings, salvation, relationship, security. She has an advocate. She has a high priest. She has a savior. She has a friend. And if you're here without Christ, you're missing out on the best friend that you could ever have in all of life with all your friends put together, is not going to anywhere even compare to the friendship that the Lord Jesus Christ offers. Without Christ, you will never be fulfilled and happy in your current condition. You cannot, a person cannot be happy in a position of no hope. Uh, they cannot. What do you need? We need the love. We need the security. We, can, we need the salvation that can only be realized, achieved through Jesus Christ. David Hurd lived in New York City in the early 1900s. He was a single man. He came from the islands uh, down in the Caribbean. And uh, he... Uh, he, he received the name through a friend of a lady that lived down on the island, and he started writing her letters, and she would write him back. Uh, we're talking about 19, 1906, 1907, 1908, and so they wrote letters for all these years, and finally he wrote to her and said, marry me. And she said, okay. Now, he had never talked to her on the phone he had, never, uh, he had never gone down there to see her. She had never come up here to see him. Uh, but she arrived in America on August 26, 1914, and they got married that day just from writing letters. Say, well, preacher, how can I? I've never seen the Lord Jesus Christ. He wrote you a letter. He wrote you of his love. 
page after page after page tells how he went to Calvary's cross, how he created you, and, and that you were fearfully and wonderfully made, and he has a plan for your life, and uh, the sin is a problem, and salvation is the solution, and he paid the price. Won't you accept that? And you say, well, I, 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 would, I, would never, I would never do that. And you're going to miss out on the greatest love of life, and that's the love of Jesus Christ. He will take care of you into eternity. What is that? That is truth to be embraced. The Bible is truth that is to be embraced. So Naomi in chapter 3 says, hey, this is what's going on. This is the kinsman process. This is how you need to display to him that you are willing to be redeemed. This is how you show humility and give him an opportunity. There's not pressure here. There's no negative pressure. It is an opportunity. There's truth to be found. Where? At the feet of the Savior. But many, many Christians, they're, they're like Ruth. They receive Christ, but they never find time to sit at his feet, to find, to uncover of the truths that are in God's Word. Now, they're content uh, to come on a Sunday morning or a Sunday night or a Wednesday night and let the, the preacher uh, throw some uh, morsels out there, some little uh, specks of grain, but they're not going to go to the field and harvest for themselves. <clears throat> Christianity is not rocket science. <clears throat> A bare minimum is Sunday school, Sunday morning, and Wednesday evening. But it's just, the more you attend, the more you study, the more you hear. If you're in God's Word every day, you're going to learn more. <clears throat> I was uh, studying for uh, the message uh, last evening. And I uh, looked at something. I said, Ms. Bishop, give me your computer. Because <laughs> there was something in the text that I hadn't seen before. And, and, and that I didn't know. And that I had to look up and do some research. And... God will drop you a handful on purpose if, if you'll go to him, if you'll search, if you'll look. Uh, police work. I was a, I've, I've always been a rule book kind of guy. When growing up, my brothers would get uh, something or get some new device, and uh, it would come in the mail. They would open it up. They would take the rule book, the instruction book, and they would hand it to me, and they would say, read this, figure out what we're supposed to do, and then they'd sit around uh, they'd sit down with the device because they were more hands-on kind of guys uh, trying to figure out how it worked. And when they couldn't figure out how it worked, they would come to me and I would say, well, on page 42, it says you're supposed to push the power button on uh, before, you, uh, before you can have, and, and they, they would do it. Well, then, then it would work. I was a rule guy. So in police work, when I went uh, to uh, the station, I wanted to know uh, the report writing manual, how it worked, what we were supposed to do, what blocks need to be filled in. And I was known at the station as the walking report writing manual. Uh, everyone was issued one, but most guys never read it. Oh, I read it. Bishop knows what it is. And even supervisors would say, so what are we supposed to do here? And I said, well, according to the report writing manual, you're supposed to do this, 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 and that block, and this block, and that block can't be filled out because you didn't fill this block out. And they go, oh, okay. <clears throat> that's, that's what I did. And I enjoyed reading the rules. I still enjoy... Reading the instructions. And you, you should too. Because there's a lot of good truth in there. And uh, many Christians go through life 
powerless just because they haven't turned a switch on. They're just very clearly delineated in God's Word. What does it require? It requires humility. It requires you to sit down with your Bible. And as we do before the service, to bow your heads and say, Dear Lord, I am as dumb as a box of rocks. But this is a great book. And I know you've got truth for me in here. And I really want to see it. Don't let me miss it. Help me to understand it. It requires humility to go to the feet of Jesus and say, I need truth. I need understanding. As opposed to, I don't need dumb, dumb rule book. Ah, forget the rule book. Forget the Bible. I'll figure this out on my own. You can do that. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a hard way to go. But you can do that. But you're, you're going to miss out on what the Holy Spirit wants to show you along the way. That is a challenge in our day and age to get to the feet of Jesus, to sit, to lay there, to ask, seek, and knock, because it is not, it is not hardwired into our DNA. It's just not. <clears throat> Gerda Wiseman was a Polish-born America writer. Uh, in World War II, she was part Jewish. She was part of a forced march by Hitler. 4,000 women were gathered up, and they were forced to walk day after day after day, mile after mile after mile to the death camps. And she did. During that forced march, uh, she lost 65 family members. <clears throat> of the 4,000 people, 4,000 women that marched with her, only 120 survived. And she was one of those. She was uh, working in a factory towards the end of the war. Uh, she, they were abandoned there. The, the Germans were on the run. Hitler's forces were on the run. And uh, they just left the factory. And all these uh, women that were there working, uh, they did not have food. They did not have, uh, they didn't have adequate uh, clothing. Uh, no one was providing for them. And it was desperate, desperate circumstances. The United States Army uh, was <clears throat> moving into the area. And the lieutenant, Kurt Klein, uh, found her in that factory and rescued her. They were engaged on September of 1945. Kurt Klein died in 2002. He was 82 years of age. Gerda died on April 3rd, 2022, last year. What is a tribute to her long life? Somebody rescued her. What is a tribute to eternal life? Somebody rescued you. Name is Jesus Christ. Rescued, redeemed. That's what Ruth 3 and 4 are going to cover. Ruth had been provided, is going to provide, be provided redemption through Boaz. But she's, she's got to agree to it. She's got to accept it. She's got to embrace it. And, and you and I are no different. Christ offers us redemption. He offers us care. He offers us guidance. Uh, Naomi today speaks to us from this chapter and says, follow me, as the Apostle Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. And, and Naomi is saying, follow my instructions as I am following God's instructions. Uh, again, Ruth couldn't find it. She couldn't tell you where it was. She couldn't have quoted it. 
But she said uh, to her to her mother to her mother-in-law, "All that thou says, uh, all that thou hast saith unto me, that will I do." And then she did it. To embrace that redemption that comes through Christ. What do you realize at the end? Verse 18, Sit still, my daughter, until thou know how the matter will fall, for the man will not be in rest until he hath finished the thing this day. Ruth is going to, uh, next week in <clears throat> chapter 4, she's going to realize triumph, the blessings of God. And anybody who has followed God will tell you that there is blessing. I had an opportunity to stand uh, before uh, out at the police academy this week on uh, Thursday and <clears throat> I stand before uh, two groups of supervisors and talk to them about uh, how I, uh, as a spiritual guide, can be a help to them and, and their crews and to help them realize that we're there uh, to be a blessing uh, uh, to them. <clears throat> and not easy. To let somebody else help you. Uh, but if you don't embrace that, uh, you're, you're, not, you're not going to realize the triumph of the blessing. The, why don't we? Why don't we? A fear of humiliation, a fear of refusal. And Christ says to us, fear not. Uh, God, wants, God wants to be close to you. God wants you to realize him, his blessing, his salvation. And the question is, will you come? Will you come to God for salvation? Say, well, preacher, I've already come to God for salvation. Will you come to God for wisdom? Will you come to God to let him help and direct your path in the ways and in the days ahead? Uh, will you come for that closer walk that only comes by walking with the Lord Jesus Christ? And so Ruth has been reassured that this man is not going to be in rest until he has finished the thing this day. <clears throat> Received, reassured, rejoicing. Uh, as a result of a godly life and godly behavior, the whole city, verse 11, the whole city knows that you are a virtuous woman. You have done the right thing in the right way at the right time. Now you're going to be the recipient of God's blessing. Now don't get me wrong. Up until... Chapter 3, for Ruth, things have been going pretty good. She's in a new place. Does she have salvation? Yes, she does. Has, has she ended up in a field where the guy is not only providing for her, but feeding her and giving her water and giving her some, instructing the workers to drop her some handfuls on purpose? Oh, yeah. He, is she not safe in this field? Oh, yeah. Uh, Boaz, remember, uh, commanded the young man, don't, don't you touch her. Word is out on the street. Don't mess with Ruth. She's, she's the boss's kin. He's watching over her. And you, and you leave her alone if you value your life, if you value your job. So things are pretty good. At the end of the day, he heaps on her a week's worth of grocery and sends her home. And he does that day after day after day. Things are good. And you may look in the Christian life and say, A preacher, I don't, I don't need to be any more in the Bible. I don't need to give God any more attention because things are pretty good. It could be a whole lot better. Are you going to be satisfied with pretty good? 
You're going to be satisfied with just eking out a spiritual existence? Or do you want God to drop some handfuls on purpose? Anna and Boris were a Russian couple. Boris was is a <clears throat> 1940s was going to be inducted into the Red Army, and so as a young couple in love, they talked to one another and they said, uh, "We we love one another. We want to get married." And so three days before he deployed in uh, World War II, uh, he they got married. He went off to war and she stayed behind. <clears throat> Not too long after that, her family, Anna Kozlov and her family, were exiled to Siberia. And they never saw one another again. Anna searched diligently. She didn't know if he died in the war, if he died in battle. Tried to write letters, they came back. Tried to talk to people that knew him and knew his, knew his family, and nobody, nobody seemed to know where he was. Sixty years later, Anna's now in her 80s, and she is in Siberia. Boral Vlaka, Siberia. And she's walking down the street, and she sees an old man walking in her direction. Stooped over, and she, she, she lost her breath for just a moment. And she said, that looks like Boris. Boris lifted up his eyes and caught her eyes and lifted his hand and said, Anna? And after 60 years, the two of them, after, eight, after 60 years, the two of them have been united back together. This is what he said. His eyes caught hers, and his heart jumped. She knew that it was him. He knew that it was her. It reminded me of a passage in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. But I would not have you ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, and with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds and meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord, wherefore comfort one another with these words. Have you ever seen Jesus Christ? No. Have you ever met him on the street? Have you ever been in church on a Sunday morning and Christ came in and sat down next to you? No. But Sunday there's going to be an event. Trumpet's going to sound and we're going to ascend. How will we know who he is? We'll know him by the prints of the nails in his hands. And you'll recognize him. You'll say, Savior, is that you? And he'll say, my child. Father, I thank you for your grace and your goodness. I thank you for the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Thank you that someday that trumpet is going to sound and we will meet you in the air.
every head bowed and every eye closed, you're here this morning, you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior. This morning you say, Pastor, I don't know Christ. I wouldn't recognize him. I'm not going to see him. On the day that the trumpet sounds, I'll be left behind to endure the tribulation period and the wars and the Antichrist. And the... I'm not saved. Preacher, would you pray for me? Slip your hand up, hold it up for just a moment. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for your grace, and I thank you for speaking to hearts. And that certainty of salvation is uh, need not be elusive. And Father, I pray that you would do a work in the hearts of those that are in the room today. That that person that does not know you as their Savior would let the Bible be opened and have that assurance that they know you and that you know them. They are a child of the King, and you are that they are your child, and that you are their Savior. With every head bowed and every eye closed, you're here. You're a Christian this morning, but you've gotten a little discouraged, not been at the feet of Jesus like you ought to be. And this morning, God has spoken to your heart and said, "Preacher, would you pray for me? You need to spend a little bit more time at the feet of the Savior." Uh, let's stand to our feet. So let me pray for you, Father. I thank you for Christians. We desire to be at your feet for you to drop a handful on purpose for them. Uh, life has been good for them, but life could be so much better. And I pray that you'd help them to realize the depth of your love uh, this morning and uh, that they would have a pattern, give them a pattern of spending time with you. It is in Christ's name we pray. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. You want somebody to talk to you about salvation? We'll be delighted to do that. You want to spend some time at the feet of the Savior this morning? The altar is open. You obey as God speaks. As a